Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. We are on our Advent series. If you are here for the first time at City Life or maybe tuning in for the first time or, you know what, newer to following Jesus in this season, Advent is a very special time of the calendar year. And, you know, sometimes we wonder, well, first of all, we have our beautiful Advent wreath. Can we just give a hand for our tech people that make that thing happen? It actually looks like real flames. Thank you, Eric Beck and Darren, who made stands so they don't shake all the time anymore. It's wonderful. Just love it. But, you know, some of you might have grown up with Advent. Some of you might have grown up with it and think, I have no idea what the purpose of it is. Some of you are like, why do I do this? And, you know, Advent is historically the church for about 1,700 years had its own unique calendar. And it was full of celebrations, and it was full of festivals, and it was full of specific times where the whole church, no matter if you were in Rome or Turkey or Northern Ireland or Germany or France or somewhere else like that, the whole church celebrated these rhythms together. And this church calendar, you can think of it, it's almost, it functions almost like a parallel universe to the crazy busyness of our life, of our, of our schedules, in, especially in our Western world where, you know, this season is kind of crazy. And the whole idea is that this, this season, this, this calendar, this, it invites us to realign and kind of recenter our lives around the Christian story. Instead of the alternate story of our world, instead of the cultural Christmas story of our world that is just, it's full of hustle and hurry and, you know, here and there and everywhere and cozy and comfort and consuming. And this Advent time really reminds us to just kind of get ourselves into a new rhythm and remind us of the true story that our lives are a part of. God's story, where real hope, real peace, real joy, real love, not only comes to us, but is meant to come through us. And in some way, we are meant to be God's, bring God's healing and hope to the points of pain in our world. That's our purpose, but we can't do that. If we're caught up in the frenzy of the world around us. Now, that doesn't mean festivities and fun and celebration and family. None of those things are wrong. But we also need to make sure that we are anchoring ourselves in the right story so that life can flow through us, so that God's grace can flow through us, so that we can actually be refreshed in this season instead of being overwhelmed by it and wanting to check out come January and saying, I'm out of here. <laughs> and so Advent, it's meant to remind us. It's also meant to create a longing and expectation in us for the fact that Jesus did promise he's coming back. 
And I think that's something we don't talk about enough in our Western lives. Because we read the Bible and we read parts where they were waiting for Jesus to come back and it sounded like he was coming back next week in their mind. And it's 2,000 years later and he still ain't back here. What's going on with that? You know, we're just so caught up in our, caught up in our life. And this is actually something, this has been a new conviction in me as I've been going through my schooling and, and just recognizing there was this urgency in the church that they carried that they expected Jesus to come back tomorrow. Have you thought about that? <laughs> no. I remember growing up, I, my mom and dad, God bless them, and I know they meant well, but they became Jesus followers. They got saved at a time when things were really stern. It was the turn or burn or else. It was the chick track. If you know what that is, you will feel the pain, and if you don't know what it is, you don't want to know. But it was these horrible little cartoons of people burning. And it was just like, it was like, you got to burn. Are you ready for Jesus? If you died tonight, do you know where you go? And she's like, I don't know. Okay, Jesus. And we didn't know what we meant. Well, nothing. I remember being scared. I prayed, remember at 10 years old, praying a fire insurance prayer. Like, I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> but that didn't mean anything. It wasn't until about 30 years later I realized what salvation actually is about. But there should be this readiness in us. And the question we could ask ourselves is, are we actually following Jesus in a way that would allow us to see him should he show up tomorrow? See, it's one thing to believe in Jesus. But it's another thing to follow him. You cannot follow Jesus alone. You just can't. We follow Jesus together as his body. And this is something that we in the West don't get. But the early church did. And it was about this, we're following together. I'm part of something bigger. I'm part of something. My life is connected to this bigger story. And the question we can ask ourselves, I'll ask it again. Are we following him in a way that would let us see him? If he did show up tomorrow. Because when he showed up the first time, heck, there were a lot of people that thought they were, they were, they thought they were ready for the Messiah. They, these, these people, that was their whole life's training, was preparing to recognize when the Messiah would show up. And he was in flesh and blood in front of them and they missed him. Are we following Jesus in a way? Ask the person beside you, are you following in a way that you could see him if he showed up tomorrow? That is a good thought. Okay, we're moving right along. This week's theme is peace. And I want to read, I want to read part of the wonderful Christmas story. Luke 2 Ah, uh, let's start verse 8. Let's go for that. Sounds good. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them. Now, this is a lot of times you picture angels up in the sky. This word literally means in front of them. They were in front. This angel, this glory light showed up like this explosion in their face. 
An angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord, that simply means it's this weighted light that's not just light, it's this presence, glorious something we don't get either, but it was pretty powerful. The glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news. Everyone say good news. Of great joy that will be for all people. Say for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host. This is the first flash mob in history. We go from one angel saying glory to an army of angels saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. Say that, peace on earth. Peace on earth to the people he favors. Glory to God and peace on earth. Say that again. Glory to God and peace on earth. Now, peace on earth, we have this weird idea. If you're as old as I am, you remember the Miss Universe pageants. You remember Miss Canada, Miss USA, or Miss Congeniality. I just want peace on earth. It's like, what does that mean? It means no war, no fighting, no nothing. That's not what this peace on earth meant. This peace on earth to the Jewish ears and to the Jewish mind and what Luke was writing to a non-Jewish people, he was trying to help them understand. Peace on earth was code language. And it was code language that meant this. God is here to rule and reign. This wasn't an external peace. It was a deep internal peace. It meant the Messiah had arrived. The Messiah is born this day. But here, this, this was a surprise. This Messiah wasn't just this hero that was showing up. The Messiah actually was God in the flesh. That was news to them. That was not what they were expecting. God in the flesh had shown up on earth to bring salvation, to bring forgiveness, to bring freedom. And this would unfold over the next 33 years through Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. You cannot have salvation without all four of those. We just get focused on the cross. Sometimes we hit the resurrection. But we forget he lived the life that we were supposed to live. And when he ascended to be with the Father, he was able to send his spirit that could now live in us. And see, God bringing his salvation and his forgiveness and freedom. And then God was breaking every barrier between him and us. God did it. We did nothing. God came and he didn't say, I'll go to the cross if you repent and believe. No. He did it while we were at our worst, in our rebellion. He did it when we wanted nothing to do with him. He said, I'm going to die for you. You can take it or leave it. But it's done. There is a peace that's beyond all your understanding. I have done everything through the life and death and resurrection, through the cross of Jesus, what he did. God has done it once and for all. There is no barrier between you and God. And if you feel far from him, all of that can change today. If you're here 
not as a follower of Jesus or you're watching online and you might have this idea about God, you might believe in God, but if you really aren't following him, man, today is a day that can all change. And it starts with the recognition, I am not enough in myself. And God, I recognize that the life that you came to live, that peace that you came to bring to me, forgiveness, freedom, salvation, a deep inner peace that is a sense of wholeness and completeness irregardless of circumstances. If you want that today, you say, yes, Jesus, I want that. That's what I want. I want to follow you. And so God came. He sent the angels and he brought this message of peace on earth, goodwill to man, no more barriers, everything. It would unfold in 33 years and we are living on the other side of that. This is our reality. And yet, here's the, here's the kicker. As Jesus followers, if our sins are forgiven and we have peace with God, like Paul says in Colossians 1.20, listen to this. Through him or Christ, through Christ, God reconciled everything. Everyone say everything. God reconciled everything to himself. This is past tense. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. As far as God is concerned, there is peace between him and you. Now, you might not feel that, but that is a reality that you can receive in faith and begin to live according to. He made peace with everything on heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. I love how the voice, it says Christ bled peace into the world. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies. Now these words right here, this describes every single one of us. You were enemies with God. Separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Look at the person beside you and say, you're evil. That's the truth. Yet now, everyone say yet now. He has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That is reality. Do you know how that is so? Because when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you're trying to live here outside of Jesus, he sees evil sinner. Sorry. But in Jesus, I am hidden. Christ is hidden me. I am hidden with Christ in God. That is an act of faith that is an everyday thing, not an altar call moment, praying a prayer and going about the rest of your life. And, okay, so if that's a reality... And if Jesus has given us his peace, like he said in John 14, I am leaving you with a gift of peace, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So if that is our reality, why do we struggle with feeling peace? Anybody else struggle with this? Why do we feel anxiety instead or restlessness or frustration? Or discontent. Ever wonder why? Is there something wrong with God? No. 
we're going to look, and is there something wrong with the reality that he said was here? No. I want to look at two peace disruptors. Everyone say peace disruptors. I'll have to go through this quick. I'm going to look at two peace disruptors. One is self-inflicted. One is God-directed. The first one, the self-inflicted peace disruptor. This peace disruptor is con connected to what we spend most of our time in. Work, school, activities, relationships. Now, some of you are like, absolutely none of those bring me peace. <laughs> but how do these disrupt our peace? Okay, well, aside from all the surface stuff, like rushing here and there from activity to this and that and busy schedules and trying to juggle schedules and trying to, you know, navigate all of life and dealing with conflicts and relationships and exhaustion from working so hard, aside from all of the surface stuff that we could look and say, yep, that's disrupting my peace. These bills are disrupting my peace. My kids are disrupting my peace. My spouse is disrupting my peace. That's surface stuff. These things become peace disruptors when we allow our identity to get tangled up in these things. And this is how it works. It's when... Maybe one of these dialogues or these thoughts might be playing and you don't even realize it. It goes along the tune of, I am important because my job or my role at work is important. I'm a good person because my family's doing great. My family's happy. My kids are well-liked. I'm acing it as a parent. I'm a good person because I do all these kind and good things to help others. I'm valuable, or I'm worthy of love, or I'm worthy of respect, or I'm worthy of admiration because my business is growing, or it's profitable, or my career is successful, or I'm achieving great things, or I'm making good grades. I'm valued and worthy of love because I'm in this relationship. Or I have these kinds of friends. I'm important or I'm successful because I made the team. I'm somebody because I can do fill in the blank, whatever, really well. It's very quiet. And, you know, I share those because I have had every single one of those dialogues in this head through my life. And it seeps in and we don't even realize it. Until something like COVID happens and everything's gone. Thank God for COVID. Honestly, 2020, greatest gift. But, you know, all of these good things... They're good things. But when we allow a good thing to be used in a way it was not meant to be used. Now, the Bible term for this is missing the mark of God's intended purpose. Or, as better known in the three-letter word called, sin. These things... These good things 
when we allow our identity to become wrapped up in those things, they become sin. See, we've got hung up on sin on the really bad moral stuff. And we think, I'm not sleeping around, I don't have an addiction, I don't watch porn, I'm not a glutton, I take care of myself, I don't steal, I don't cheat, I don't, I'm not committing adultery, I'm not lusting, got undercover. And we miss the very deep foundational thing of identity. And parents, I want to speak really just candidly for a moment. Especially those who are raising our kids in church. And teens, you can listen up too because this is coming straight for you. But we need to make sure our children being raised in an environment where they're... Pro I'm not saying that they're not going to sin in terms of the typical ways of overstepping moral bounds. But if our kids are doing all of the right things morally based on what the rest of the world would say, this is morally good, this is morally bad, or even what the scripture says, this is morally good or morally bad, we owe it to our children to make sure their identity is not getting wrapped up in the things that they are a part of. I'm all for activities and sports, but do not let that consume your child's identity. Business people, we need to watch our identity isn't wrapped up in the things that we have made. Man, and do you know how easy that is to do when you have put your life into building a church? God has been very, very clear over the last little while. <laughs> this thing was here without you. The church is my business, and it's something that has been growing for over 2,000 years, and it will keep growing in history. I simply invited you, would you step into this place in history and carry this thing, maybe a vine, and let it grow for a while? But you know what? That applies to every single activity of our life. When we allow something or someone else to define us. See, God's purpose is that he and he alone would be the discerning, would be the defining factor of our life. That we would look to him and him alone to define us. That we would, he would be the one that tells us who we really are. And when we allow something or someone else to define us, it disrupts our peace because peace and sin can't coexist together. It's kind of a no-brainer. Anyway, i got to move around here. Misplay Is there a practice? All right, moving on. Is there a practice that might help us keep our bearings in Christ so that we don't get overtaken with work, with what we're building, with our activities, with the relationships that do mean so much to us? What can we do? Well, here it is, silence, or what's also called contemplation. This is not how we get salvation. We receive God's salvation, but as a Jesus follower, how do we live in this peace? Sometimes we, silence and contemplation, this is where the discomfort of Advent comes in. Because sitting in silence, I'm talking just being quiet, not looking at your phone. This is closing your eyes, throwing that thing on the other side of the room, and just sitting and saying, God, I need you.
We don't rehearse all of the stuff that's flowing up, but we're quiet. God, quiet my soul. God, I need your peace. And you know what's in that quiet where we are not producing anything? We're not working. We're not achieving anything. But we let, we tune our ears and our heart into God's voice and we can begin to hear him speaking over us who we are to him. That's why we set aside even these Monday nights. I hope you can come tomorrow night one hour. The first half hour is quiet and contemplation. We got some worship music playing. But it's a time to disengage out of our normal schedule and engage with God in a fresh way. Okay, let's look at the second one really quick. The second is a God-directed peace disrupt. Everyone say God-directed. That means he brings it. Okay, Romans 8, 22. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. Anyone who's carried a human in your belly, you know this. But it's not only around us, it's within us. Everyone say, it's in me. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs. Oh, now, what is Paul talking about? I love this. Professor Paul Williams from Regent College, he makes this statement. He said, to the extent that we identify with Christ, we experience the broken relationship between God and his creation from his perspective. Isn't that powerful? The more we're walking with God, there is a deep discontent we begin to feel. That seems backwards. Don't I come to Jesus and he makes me feel better? Yeah, sort of. But his goal isn't our comfort. His goal is our transformation into his likeness. And if you've ever seen a caterpillar turn into a butterfly, that's a painful little process for that little worm. <laughs> And see, this is such a different context to the angst and the anxiety and the frustration we feel. And that restlessness we often feel. What is that? It's God allowing us to feel his heart. It's God allowing us, that new creation part of us that he's deposited, his life that he's put in us. It's God allowing that new creation life to become so, dis it's like it's trying to get out. That's why you're so uncomfortable. It's like when you start having that baby and those labor pains. It's like, oh, it's like, oh my gosh, is this like their parts moving? I didn't know could move. <laughs> and this thing, and it's moving, and it's getting into places that it has no business moving into. I'm gonna make all you men so uncomfortable. But a big head tries to squeeze out something way smaller than that. And there's things that are, it's like, there's moving, and it's kicking, and it's the most intense thing you have ever felt. And you're like, make it stop! Make it stop! And it's like, ah! You're swearing, and you're grabbing things, and you're banging, and you're just like, no! Some of you, that's how it feels inside your spirit right now, your soul. But God, look at this, God's spirit dwelling in us. We are pregnant with new creation life. It, come, 
It's longing for that reason. And it's, that's what disrupts our peace. You feel that? There's two questions. When you feel this discomfort, what do we do? We ask, God, have I allowed my identity to become entangled with something it's not meant to be entangled with? Have I allowed my identity to come from anything else but you? And how do you know? Well, if that thing were X from your life, you would be a disaster. You would feel like nothing. Your life doesn't matter. I don't exist. I'm a nobody. I'm terrible. That's how you know your identity is wrapped up in something. But the other question is, and if you're like, no, I really don't feel like I am that way, then there's something God is trying to release through you. Listen to this. Another author said, there was a moment when the presence of God was felt as the unease of morning sickness. <laughs> Isn't that great? Mary carrying Jesus. God was in her. She's like, Bleh. <laughs> Don't be surprised if your current unease is that exact same avenue of his presence. God wants us to feel the pain he feels for a world that is broken, for people that are far, for people that are lost, for people that are in darkness, because we are meant to participate in his mission, to bring his healing, to bring his hope, to release his love, to release his kindness, to release his provision, to release his hope, to release his all of the things that he's wanting to bring, to release companionship and friendship to those that don't have it. God is wanting us to release that. And why does he let us feel it? Because God himself got, came and he fixed the problem by getting into the world. He didn't fix it from far off. And so he's like this uncomfortable feeling. I'm trying to release new creation life through you. So what practice might we be able to engage in that would allow this to be so? Well, here's the first one. Embrace the disruption. <laughs> Don't try to distract yourself with your phone or gaming or something else. We are tech driven. And we so easily distract because we're getting uncomfortable. You know what's uncomfortable when you're sitting at maybe waiting for a bus or you're sitting in school waiting for friends and instead of being on your phone, what would happen if you'd look up around you and see all the miserable people? Could maybe your heart be moved with compassion student? Why are you at school? You're not at school just to get good grades. Every student, that is your mission field. Why are you on the sports teams you're on? It's not so you can play a good game. It's so that you can reflect the life of Jesus so you can feel his pain for those players who are hitting you in the head or calling you names or cussing you out or saying, yeah. Embrace the disruption. Here's another one. Set up some Advent tech practices. Scripture before phone, that's a great one. Maybe instead of whatever your practice is, make some changes. Maybe, you know what, we're not doing any movie night, we're not doing any screen time, or we're cutting it down in this season. Here's another one. Pick three people who are points of pain in your life. Now maybe they are a pain, or parent, maybe they're causing you pain because you are so broken over their condition. But who are three people that are points of pain in your life that you will commit to pray for over the next several weeks and just see what God might do? And another one, 
just stop and ask God, open my eyes to see the people around me. Where is the point of pain that you want me to bring your healing to? Can we stand? I'm going to pray. I want you to close your eyes and I want to just take a moment. Man, we need God's peace. And we, it's not some thing out there. We, peace is something God has released. It is there. It is not far off and removed. If we aren't experiencing it, there are things we need to do to practice, to cultivate that peace. And I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to take a great big deep breath, belly breath. So if you're saying, you know what, if I'm honest, yes. I've allowed this thing to define me. And I want to pray for you. God, I pray right now. I'm just asking if this does relate to you, if this does connect to you. I want you to just pray. I want you to receive. Receive as I'm praying. Receive God's grace. Receive freedom. Sometimes our soul and our thinking and our perception has been so wrapped up in something for so long, it seems like, how can I change this? But I really believe God's going to release a grace to start a new freedom that he will then give you grace to walk out. And so God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I declare in the name of Jesus a severing, a disentangling every heart, every soul, every mind, every inner person that's gotten tangled up in something other than you to, as our identity where we have looked to anything else, even good things to define us. I want you to just quietly say this, if this relates to you on your breath, just say, God, I release that to you. God, I speak freedom now. 
I speak freedom in the name of Jesus. God, I ask that you would come in your grace. God, let the blood of Jesus come and just like a, a disentangling ointment, disentangle that soul, that mind, that perspective from the activities, from the things, from the job, from the school, from all of those good things that have been the defining thing. And God, let them now become tools that are used to be able to point the way to you, to draw others to you. God, to bring, Father, light and hope and be that light in the darkness in those spaces and Father using those good things that you've given us to bring kingdom purposes to pass God I declare your freedom in Jesus name and a release of your grace to walk this out and God for all of us come church can we pray this together just say Jesus I embrace your heart for my lost world. I embrace the discomfort that you feel for the broken, for the lost, for those far from you. Jesus, would you open my eyes and move my heart to release your love, your peace, your hope, and your joy some way this season. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.